This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Budabaker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealoux, Paul Calvisi, and three-time pro bowler Kyle Vandenbosch. This is the week, gentlemen. If all goes well, of course. But this is the week we've all been waiting for. Kyle's playoff debut as special teams coach coming up on Thursday. Top seed Brophy in 6A playing Mesa on Thursday. Wow, big moment. Big! <laughs> big moment. Wait a minute, top seed in 6A? Where do I complain? That's 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 criminal. Are you? How'd you guys finagle the top seed in six A? Really? It's the computers, man. They, <laughs> they uh, come up with the formula. I have no idea what the formula is, but somehow we did it. Um, and I'm just trying to stay out of the way and not screw things up. Well, best of luck to Brophy on Thursday. We wish you well. Thank you. Of course, that's not the lead story this week. Although, as much as we would like it to be, it is not. And it's not what happened on Sunday or what didn't happen in Cleveland where Paul was and watched that 27 to nothing performance or lack thereof by the Cardinals. No, it is what we heard from head coach Jonathan Gannon on Monday. In fact, let's hear from JG on K1. Plan for quarterback this week. Kyler's going to continue to ramp up. He'll take the one reps, and if the week goes well, he'll start on Sunday. Pleased where he's at right now. We'll see how the week goes. Kyla Murray in line to start Sunday against the Atlanta Falcons. 11 months to the day, Kyle, from when that injury happened December 12th against the New England Patriots this Sunday, November 12th. Yeah, this is big. I mean, this is, you know, as much as we as fans have been anticipating this moment, awaiting his return, excited to see what he can do under this offense with Drew Petzing and with some of the new weapons around him. Um, I, I just got to think Kyler has just been chomping at the bit. Um, you know, this is a guy that has had no time off from sports probably since he was about four years old. And to have this time away from the game, watching your teammates go out there and fight without you. And, and I've been in those shoes more times than I'd like to admit. Um, it, 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 it re-energizes you. Like you, you don't ever want to be in this situation again. You, you want to get out on the field and you want to prove your worth and you want to show your teammates what you're all about. And, um, you know, look, um, Kyler has done everything he can do off the field um, in his absence. I mean, he's, he's been invested in meetings. He's been out there on the practice field watching. He's studied, um, you know, both opponents and our offense. And, um, it, you know, it's, it, I'm just excited to see what spark he can bring because uh, it, it's obviously apparent um, that this team needs a spark. They need something. And, and this offense, um, you know, since, you know, showing some promise early in the season seems to have regressed um, to a large degree recently. Um, and, and something needs to change. And, you know, we've got a two-time Pro Bowler, one-time Offensive Rookie of the Year, um, you know, coming hopefully to bring some life to this offense. I think you need to give this defense a reason to believe. Because there wasn't much reason to believe on Sunday in Cleveland. When you go out and you're 1-12, to 
on third down. How many plays in Cleveland territory? A half dozen? Correct. So it's perfect timing. You're coming off a really deflating loss. And Clayton Toon most definitely looked like a fifth-round rookie. And we can drill deeper into that a little bit later as to everything else that was going on that didn't give him much of a chance. And it's a lot of the same stuff that's plaguing Bryce Young in Carolina. But this is the timing, you know, and and if you're going to get his running back in return in James Conner, so now you get a real look at what this offense could look like. What can Kyler do for the offense? What can the scheme do for Kyler? There are so many different layers. All of a sudden, that loss two days ago feels like two months ago. It has been a long wait, and this is week four for Kyler Murray being on the practice field. That practice window opened up. 21 days that expires on Wednesday, November 8th, in which Kyler Murray will be activated, added to the 53-man roster. Because if he's not, then he has to remain on pup the rest of the season. We don't get to see Kyler on the football field, but that is the expectation. We will see number one on the football field on Sunday. But what do we expect to see as far as Kyler Murray within this offense? Here's more from the head coach. It's uh, fun to be around him at practice. Um, he's a uh, ultra competitive and wants to play football but uh everything that he's been doing up until this point to get himself ready to go both on and off the field rehab with the health stuff with the mental stuff about playing quarterback he's uh far exceeded my expectations right now there has been a plan in place since day one and a lot of people believe paul that regardless of what happened sunday week 10 was the end date and this is the plan this was the end of the plan to get Kyler Murray not only 100% healthy, but 100% mentally, and then 100% or as much as he can be comfortable in a brand new offense without having repped it in a game situation. And there's Make no mistake, he's competitive. What Michael Wilson tell us when Kyler was cleared for practice three weeks ago? Said that Kyler had told the receiver room, hey, just to let you all know, I can beat most of you in a 40. So I mean, he's competitive, okay? There's no doubt about that. Uh, and here's the other thing wasn't such a bad thing, I think, to sit there and watch Deshaun Watson. Forget about the Cardinals for a minute, just to watch Deshaun Watson. And maybe that serves as a precursor, as a case study for Kyler Murray. Think of everything Deshaun Watson was dealing with. He wasn't 100%. His throwing shoulder was far from it. There was a lot of speculation. Could he even throw outside the numbers coming into that game? Obviously, he proved otherwise. So he was rusty. He was dealing with injury. He didn't have his franchise running back, Nick Chubb. He'd lost offensive linemen, not only the all-pro Jack Conklin in week two, but he missed two of his tackles during the course of the game. So everything that Deshaun Watson had to do, and he had to persevere through some really ugly throws, some really ugly moments. But eventually the talent won out in Deshaun Watson, much like a Kyler Murray. He's going to be among the most talented players on that field, and eventually at some point you hope that talent takes over. We know the talent of Kyler Murray with the arm, with the leg. What we don't know is this is the first serious injury that he has suffered in his football career, maybe his playing career, period. How do you overcome that? And we're not going to know the answer to that, Kyle, until – and Kyler's not going to know the answer to that. We might not know the answer on Sunday. It might take a couple of weeks before Kyler's – fully Kyler Murray again Uh, you're exactly right Um, you know and that's why all of this extra practice time it matters it's not just about uh, timing it's not just about knowing the offense or understanding your receivers and in their intricacies and how they're seeing a defense and how you're seeing a defense a lot of it is just 
Um, you know, having a cloudy pocket, having guys in your face, having guys around your legs. And I understand, you know, quarterbacks don't get hit in practice, but it's just big bodies moving around you again and, and being able to slide up in the pocket or, or, or spin out and, and buy time. I mean, the things that Kyler Murray has done throughout his career that not every quarterback can do. In fact, very few quarterbacks on this planet can do, um, you know, with his athleticism. Um, and, you know, the thing I'm excited about is this – these last few weeks, the offense has really regressed into more of a short passing game and inability to work ball, the ball down the field, even with Josh Dobbs here, and inability to connect down the field. And we saw Kyler Murray through the first two years here in Arizona, how accurate he was down the field, how live his arm was, where he, how he could put the ball just about anywhere on the field. And, you know, even last year, his, his uh, three years, he was never outside of the top six in downfield targets. So, you know, I'm excited just to see this offense look different, being able to take shots down the field. But it starts with being able to establish that ground game, and that's why it's so important to get James Conner back in this offense, a real threat in the run game. And the offensive line needs to do a little bit better job of moving guys off the ball, opening holes for this run game to allow Kyler time in the play-action game to get the ball down the field. There is a difference between practice reps and game reps, but, Paul, you've been pretty consistent on this. There's only so much you can do in a practice setting to it. You just have to say, all right, the next step is real action, full speed on a Sunday. And that's when we'll really know. How is he going to feel about guys at his feet when you have guys trying to submarine him, right? I, I mean, if I'm the opposition, if I'm the Atlanta Falcons, here comes a double-barrel A-gap blitz. Let's just try and crush the pocket from the inside out. Let's come right after him and show him every bit of pressure just to see how he reacts because it's impossible to simulate in practice. What Garrett Williams told us in the Big Red Rage a few weeks ago, at some point you're like, okay, I'm only getting so much out of practice. You're never going to go full contact, full speed, full tackle football. So it's going to take maybe a game. That's why Jonathan Gannon told the media he might not look entirely like Kyler right from the beginning because he's, he's missed nearly a year, and it's going to be a process. There's just no way you can simulate what he's going to encounter against Atlanta on Sunday. No question there is excitement amongst the fans, excitement in that locker room as well. Good friend, wide receiver Hollywood Brown on Kyler Murray coming back. I think they all know he's not coming back to just be average. He's coming back to prove a point, and I think they'll, they'll realize it very quickly. What do you think that point is? That he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And that he's a winner, so that's what he wanted to show. And show, Paul, that he is a part of this franchise moving beyond 2023, and that is an eight-game evaluation, not only for Kyler Murray and where he stands within the league, but also this front office. Where do they think K-1 fits within this Cardinals team? Yeah, There's so many questions that need to be answered. A, what does he look like? How does he recover coming off this injury, especially mentally? What's he going to be like? To what degree is he going to trust that knee? He's always had the knowledge that he's maybe the best athlete on any field when he's on the gridiron. That's why we called him the future of football back in the day, right? Just because he was the best athlete on the field, yet he was the quarterback. And the reason he was taken number one overall is because he was a passing quarterback who could run, not a running quarterback who would throw occasionally. So I think we're going to see that more than ever. But beyond that, Cardinals have to get an answer. Is he a good fit for the system? How much did they change the system to fit Kyler? Remember, the first six games, Josh Dobbs was under center more than Kyler Murray had been his entire four years in the NFL. 
So to some degree, it could be radically different. He led the NFL last year in shotgun percentage. And then to Kyle's point, Wolf asked me this yesterday on the air, what do you want to see? I cited the system. And then number two, downfield passing. As good as Kyler was his first three years, and he was number one one of those seasons in downfield accuracy and the best deep ball, that escaped him last year. That was really absent from his game. Downfield passing, he was among the the least yards per pass in the NFL, and the accuracy wasn't there for whatever reason last year. So I want to see that again because uh, that has been sorely missing from this Cardinals offense. Question, though, Kyle, is do we see that week one? Or is it going to take a handful of games or a handful of quarters before Kyler Murray not only figures out what he is capable of doing physically after a long layoff and then reacquainting himself with his teammates in a game setting? So the expectations, I think, yeah, we're all excited. We all know what Kyler can do, and the ceiling is so high, yet how far or how long does it take us to reach that ceiling? Yeah, uh, that's that's the big mystery. And again, I don't know that anybody knows that answer. And you know, what I expect is you're going to see, look, I don't think anybody questions his skill set. You don't question his arm strength. You don't question his accuracy. You don't question his athleticism. But throughout Kyler's career, just because he's been so good at every level, he's had next level confidence. And that's what the elite athletes in professional sports have. They have that confidence. And even when they're going through a slump, even when they have bad games, they know that inside they are better than anybody else on that football field. But when you are coming back from a devastating injury, that confidence takes time. And again, that I don't know if that comes back after a great drive, after throwing a long ball, after taking a big hit, after juking somebody. But at some point, that confidence is going to be restored. It will not be there the first snap. It may not be there this first game. But at some point, it's going to come back. And Kyler's going to realize, yeah, I am still this that elite player, that elite athlete, the elite quarterback that can at times – put this team on his back and will this team to wins because we've seen it. We've seen it several times through Kyler's career that he himself – now, look, it's a team game and it takes everybody. But, I mean, let's not forget that play against the Raiders. Let's not forget the Hail Mary against the Bills. Let's not forget the fantastic plays that almost no other person on this planet could make. So he's just got to get that confidence restored. And, you know, it will happen sometime this season. The best in the biz. Patrick Mahomes, what did he do in his last game? The Miami Dolphins took away Travis Kelsey. They said, thou shalt not complete a pass to Travis Kelsey. Double, triple team. So Mahomes said, okay, guess what? I'm going to complete passes to nine other receivers, and I'm going to find a way to win this game. That's what the best do. That's what the elite quarterbacks do. And then everyone feeds off that guy. So that's what I expect from Kyler Murray. How soon is we going to see in the first half of his first game? Maybe not, but that's why eight games left. To your point, this is really going to dictate the direction of next season in so many ways. Those expectations that we all have. Here is head coach Jonathan Gannon on managing the expectations for Kyler Murray. We got to be willing to understand that it might not look like Kyler, you know, and um, and I think he's got a good expectation of that. The coaches have a good expectation of that, but. I know this, he's going to come out there and, and play his game and help us win. And again, if it doesn't look great after the first game, that's okay. The fact that Kyler was on the football field to begin with says a lot about, again, checking boxes before you actually have to make a decision going into the offseason and obviously where the Cardinals draft and all that fun stuff. And unlike Clayton Toon on Sunday, you know he knows what he's looking at. He has four years of experience. 
He's seen virtually every defense and every scheme and philosophy. So he has a good idea of how to read and react. We'll see if he's mainly a pocket quarterback. And when in doubt, does he just get rid of the football, a la Peyton Manning the last couple years in the league, right? I don't want to get hit. I'll just get rid of it. Maybe he goes that route to start. We'll see. But at some point, you got to imagine the adrenaline takes over, and we see the arm and the legs. You want to see Kyler Murray in action on Sunday? Single game tickets on sale now. Go to azcardinals.com forward slash buy tickets to secure your seats today. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. And an injured... Cardinal, it's Kyler who went down very awkwardly that time as he tried to cut. Oh no. Non-contact. He cut right, then tried to cut left and just buckled. And there was a Patriot player right there who called to the Cardinal sideline to bring on the training staff. You know, I got better every year. And then to take like a, you know, hit a hit a wall year four, especially after going through the whole contract thing, like I got COVID in camp. I hurt my wrist in camp. So I missed a lot of those reps. And then trying to play catch up during the season, it was just kind of like a compilation of things going on. I think winning cures all. And it's been tough to do that with some of the circumstances that we had to deal with, but I think we're heading the right direction. A difficult year for Kyler Murray, 2022. The injury happening in December, the surgery in January of 2003. The Words of Kyler Murray from Cardinals Flight Plan over the summer, the Emmy Award-winning Cardinals Flight Plan. Have yet to hear from Kyler Murray himself since training camp. Hopefully that happens this week. And again, we anticipate seeing Kyler Murray in action on Sunday when the Cardinals host the Atlanta Falcons. 2.05 is the kickoff from State Farm Stadium. And yes, a lot about Kyler Murray, but more specifically here in this segment, Kyle, about what Kyle, what Kyler can do for this Cardinals offense and yeah it was rock bottom Sunday in Cleveland the passing game hasn't looked great over the last five games if you get James Conner back that certainly will help the running game and the play action game which has dipped since Conner has been out over the last four weeks so yeah you're getting in the words of head coach Jonathan Gannon a jolt not only on offense but the entire team but specifically the offense and the timing could maybe not even be better. No, you're right. And, you know, the big thing for me is it, this offseason, it, it's so hard to be a part of the team and be involved when you're when you're injured and you're watching on the sidelines. But Kyler has really embraced this leadership role, right? And and I know Ron Wolfley talks about this all the time, but when an, an elite player or an elite quarterback steps into the huddle, you know, everybody perks up. And, you know, I think that this, just having him on the field, like, it you know, it's probably not going to change very many of the X's and O's that happen out on that football field. But this offensive line will feel like, hey, we've got a special player behind us. Let's just block for a half second longer on in pass pro. Let's let's open up some holes in this run game. Now we've got our guy, our signal caller, the future of our franchise under center. So let's just do our job a little bit better. Let's let's hold that block a little longer. Let's move that double team off the ball a little bit better. And the offense will work. I mean, it's become you know very clear from the words of Jonathan Gannon, from Drew Petzing, that this offense is designed to take advantage of everything that Kyler Murray does well and to help him operate in an offense catered to his skill set. So, um, you know, I, I expect everything to, you know, obviously – you know, having somebody different under center, it changes things, and there's going to be a few mistakes in this game. But I expect the level of play because, you know, we, we come in here, it seems like every week, and talk about, you know, 
how the offense could have done things better, but the defense is playing hard. The defense is playing inspired ball. And it doesn't always seem like that is being matched on the offensive side of the ball at all times, but I think you'll see that level of play rise because of Kyler and the fact that he has embraced this leadership role. And, you know, and when things don't go well, I think you're going to see Kyler handle things differently than he had in the past and and take some responsibility for this offense and this team. One more from Kyler Murray before we get Paul's thoughts on Kyler Murray within this brand new offense. But Kyler talking in the summer on Cardinals flight plan about how he feels going into 2023. I feel free in a sense, you know, especially with the change of upstairs in the organization. I feel like, you know, they've done a great job ever since they came in. Uh, holding people accountable, the leadership. Uh, they're really trying to build something from the ground up. So the offense, the the ins and outs of it, the way we're going, I feel like personally, like, you know, the sky's the limit. Again, those were Kyler's comments over the summer. And, Paul, you think about it, brand-new front office, brand-new coaching staff, brand-new offense, different pieces on those offensive moving parts. And now all of a sudden you're in, inserting the biggest piece, and that would be Kyler Murray. And you know what? If you look at the Cardinals' offense going into that Cleveland game, number four in rushing yards per game, 138. Number two in yards per carry, 5.1. Number one in chunk runs, 20-plus, 13 explosive runs going into the Cleveland game. So the run game has been a consistent part of the Cardinals' offense. Sports quiz. When was the only time Kyler Murray in his Cardinals' career had a consistent and top-five run game? The first half of 21 when the Cardinals went 7-0, and 10-2. So it's intriguing to me. What's he going to look like in a truly balanced offense, especially if James Conner is indeed back this week? He's number five in yards per carry among running backs when he got injured. He was number two in 20-plus yard runs. He was getting all the respect of the front seven of every defense. The play action just felt so much more effective. If you look at Josh Dobbs' numbers, they went down significantly as soon as James Conner got hurt. Was that because teams weren't respecting the play action as much? Bottom line, I'm just intrigued to see Kyler in a much more balanced offense that truly presents the threat of a run. Under Cliff Kingsbury and that spread offense, that scheme, it was never really the case except the first half of 21. Then when they went to L.A. and they ran for over 200 yards, when they went to Cleveland ran for over 200 yards, if you can get back to that, put Kyler in that offense, to me, look out. There was a lot on Kyler's shoulders in the previous offense to where, yeah, you expect that to a certain extent. A lot is shouldered by the quarterback. But the fact that I think Kyler a lot of the times felt that if he wasn't successful, the offense as a whole wasn't successful. But if you have different pieces, that short passing game, get it out in space to your playmakers, a capable running game, and all of a sudden you can hand the ball off and then maybe take a couple of steps back and not worry about, okay, not only do I have to throw it, but I also have to be your leading rusher as well. And I don't think Kyler's going to have to do that within this offense. At least that's the hope. Yeah, and just from his comments about, you know, he feels free, you, you feel like they're empowering him, whereas he felt like he was handcuffed before. Like, here's, here's, what, here's your reads, here's what you have to do, and everything was a little bit robotic. And that is not Kyler Murray's style of play. Like, he is a dynamic player. When he sees something, he should be allowed to take advantage of it, right? And so – you feel like uh, this coaching staff understands the type of athlete and the type of difference maker he can be in the offense. And, and the fact that he feels free and has some freedom, he can check out of things if he doesn't like them. He can 
um, you know, make these off-schedule plays anytime he wants. Um, that's what you want to do with your franchise quarterback. You know, give him some input. Let him go out there and do what he does best to accentuate his talents. And, um, it, you know, uh, again, I talked about, uh, you know, to me, when, when you see that confidence back, that's going to be when he turns the corner and that's when we're going to see the Kyler again. Um, that's a big part of it, just the coaching staff empowering him, saying, you know what, uh, this is your first game back. And I'm sure these conversations have behind closed doors. It's okay to make a mistake. It's okay to go out there and, and struggle. We're going to work our way through it, and we are behind you 100%. Those new coaches include a brand-new offensive coordinator, Drew Petzing, on what he has seen from Kyler Murray in practice of the last three-plus weeks. He was awesome. You know, I think his engagement in the meeting room certainly showed up. You saw some strides quickly, like it was something that didn't take very long. Like, I got it. That's what we talked about in the meeting room. Here it is on the field. I'm going to go out and make sure that I'm focused on it and getting it done. So really encouraged by that. Uh, he was really into it. I think it was exciting and fun for him to be out there. So it was great to see that. I mean, anytime you go through an injury and a rehab like that, your first time back on the field, there's some emotion, some energy, and uh, it was good to see that from him. Rehabbing an injury kept Kyler Murray in town for the most of the offseason, meaning he was around. He was learning. He was watching. Now you got to take what you see out onto the football field, but Kyler Murray is invested, and we've used that word a lot. Kyle's used that word a lot this offseason. He's invested in this organization, this offense. Now we just need to see it. Quarterbacks coach Israel Warfork on working with Kyler Murray during this time. Kyler loves football, and he's a competitor. That's what I've noticed by being around him every single day. How he comes into this building, how he approaches, how he works, the amount of information he's taken in, the amount of, like, he's been locked in. The guy's been on the sideline rehabbing this whole time, and he's been very focused on what he needed to do to get back here, and that shows that his commitment to the team, his commitment to himself, and he wants to get out there and compete. He watches so much football, not just us. He watches other great quarterbacks. He's always trying to pick up different things they can do to improve his game. Whether it was the offseason or training camp, Paul, how many times did we see middle of practice, all of a sudden Kyler's done his work behind closed doors, getting that knee ready, and all of a sudden he's watching practice. And he's not just watching practice from the sidelines. He's by the head coach. He's by the offensive coordinator, behind the offense, looking at it from the end zone view, and sometimes having that earpiece as well to kind of hear what is being relayed to the that that point, whomever is under center. Nine games this year I've stood behind Kyler Murray on the sidelines. He's got that earpiece in, and he's having those conversations on the sideline. Jonathan Gannon comes over quite a bit. I don't know often the TV cameras catch it, but Gannon comes over quite a bit. They converse. They do it a ton at practice. They did it a lot at training camp. And it's just the time spent in the building in 2023, like you cited, Craig, he's made a connection just being there and earning the respect. How many guys have cited how they've seen Kyler every single day, whether it's even the longest tenure Cardinal, DJ Humphreys, a few months ago, (laughs) joking about how there were certain sides of Kyler he wasn't even aware of, right? The guy, the funny guy, the sense of humor behind the scenes that the media doesn't really see, Garrett Williams and the Big Red Rage, that I was working with Kyler and Zach Ertz the entirety of the offseason trying to come back from the knee injury. And then there was a moment on Wednesday. I think you saw this as well. Kyler walked into the locker room last Wednesday, and he's throwing passes to guys in the locker room. I've been in NFL locker rooms as a media pencil neck since the age of 19. I've never seen a quarterback come into the locker room and start throwing the ball around to guys. It's like he wanted more throws. It was really interesting. You can tell he's really itching to play again. It was kind of like his, what's the TV commercial where he's in the Cardinals game locker room and he's throwing the ball around, breaking stuff, like he breaks the handle off the water faucet and he knocks down the stuff off the uh, the, the table. and That's what it was, and it's, it's interesting. He just has this extra... 
stride in his step, then I'm curious how it translates to the field. you got to be able to execute, and that's what you're judged on ultimately, Kyle. But, yeah, the excitement. And then, to your point, I like what you said. It's not going to be perfect. And it's okay if there's a mistake or several mistakes because how do you get better? By learning from your mistakes. That's right. And one thing I, I, I talk about this, I think, every week, but I love about this coaching staff is the emphasis they put on practice. And that's probably why they've used every minute of practice they can to get Kyler ready. Um, you know, they want him to get those reps. You get better at football in practice. And a lot of times in the NFL, this point in the season, it's difficult to get better in practice, but Kyler will. Um, he, they're talking about how invested he is in the film room, um, how he's picking new things up from watching other games, how hard he works. Those things will all serve him well because, again, uh, this won't be – it, you know, it might be a bumpy road back, but Kyler will work his way through it, and this coaching staff will help him on the practice field. Cardinals and the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday. We'll touch on the defense next here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Watson straight drop back from the pocket, looking deep, middle of the field, airing it out, and a leaping attempt, but it's broken up at the last second. Garrett Williams with another terrific defensive play. Garrett Williams was right there to strip the pig. What a big play by the rookie, Garrett Williams. Ford hit in the backfield and tackled for a loss at the eight-yard line. Zayvon Collins was back there first, so they lose three yards trying to run it on third and three, and now they got a punt, a stretch play to the right for Ford. Hit in the backfield and tackled at the 20. Dante Stills, boy, the rookie from West Virginia starting to come into his own. His second terrific game in a row. Dante Stills whipping the Cleveland Browns at the point of attack. Give that Cardinals defense credit on Sunday every single time. And there were a lot of times that they were put back on that football field. In fact, they were on the field almost 13 more minutes than their counterparts on offense. Cardinals defense never quits at all, despite what the final score indicated, 27-0. But you look at some of the numbers, that defense allowed a season low 2.8 yards per rushing attempt. Second straight week, they held an opponent under 37% on third down. So, yeah, this defense may be lacking some big names, but has some talent heading in the right direction. And that's a good thing to see, considering we didn't see a whole heck of a lot on the other side of the ball. You know what's really vexing about that performance in Cleveland is it violated Jonathan Gannon's rule. Don't let the other team's best player beat you. And it was the 49-yarder and the 59-yarder to Amari Cooper that really changed that game in so many ways. Both balls were excellent, especially that second deep ball right on the money in stride by Deshaun Watson. As ugly as his short passing game was, and it was bad, uh, that deep stuff, those balls were right on the money, and it was very costly for a Cardinals defense that came in and bottled up the number two rushing attack in the NFL. you got to give a shout-out to those interior D linemen, most of whom have never, you know, NFL fans around the league have never heard of a Jonathan Ledbetter. Kevin Strong Jr., who I'm told graded out really well in that game, maybe his best game of the year, coming off injury no less. Dante Stills Jr. continues to evolve. And then you have a Kaiser White. Now, Kaiser White, I'd love – he was mic'd up in that game. I can't wait to see Wired because they put out the backup offensive center 
and they try to go Patrick Ricard like the Baltimore Ravens did against the Cardinals' front seven, and they're running that offensive lineman as a lead blocker and going right after Kaiser White so often. I'm really curious if uh, what we're going to be able to see and hear from Kaiser White in this week's Wired. Cardinals were only down two scores at halftime. It was 13 to nothing, 20 to nothing, with eight minutes to go in the third quarter. And at that point on Sunday, you kind of knew where this was headed. But again, that defense, Kyle, played well enough to allow the offense several opportunities and they were given a handful of opportunities to get back in that game and they just couldn't move the football against Cleveland. Yeah, I think, look, this defense is playing really good fundamental defense. I mean, they're doing a good job for the most part keeping the ball in front of them. To Paulie's point, look, Paulie's a big conspiracy theorist. Um, he thinks that Joe Burrow was faking a calf injury because it wasn't apparent in that game. <laughs> yes, yep. yeah, now Deshaun yep. Watson has a shoulder and can't throw a deep ball, and he looks perfect on his deep ball. So. I have a theory on that, by the way. He was told all week he had no zip and didn't have enough velo, so a lot of people thought from the sideline that he was coming out trying to overthrow the short passes, showing everyone, oh, I got enough velo, watch this fastball, and then they're going right into the dirt, or they're just going, he's airmailing guys. So maybe he put a little too much mustard and was overthrowing some of those passes. Yeah, that could be. There you could go be. Your, I don't know. There you go with your conspiracy theories. But, uh, yeah, no, that's probably part of the game plan. Like, look, we don't think he can throw a deep ball. We, you know, we'll allow a couple yeah. of guys to get over the top, and then sure enough, he threw some perfect deep balls. But, um you know, I, I think this defense, again, continues to go out there and play regardless of the situation. And that shows a lot of heart, shows a lot of leadership from the guys on that side of the ball, from, you know, defensive coordinator Nick Rollis. Um, the fact that they continue to fight regardless of the situation. And I could tell you I've been there. I've been on a defense where you continue to go out and you battle. You get the team to punt, um, and the offense goes out, and it's three and out, and you're right back out on the field. As hard as that is, as long as you have the right guys on that side of the ball, as long as you have guys that um, want to fight, that um, can block out everything else that's going around them, um, and just go out there and execute, then that will serve you well. And, and we've got those guys. Look, um, you know, Buda Baker just continues to do phenomenal things. And by my count, he probably saved at least three touchdowns, um, you know, by, by making that tackle and, and eating up that angle where a wide receiver or a running back is getting down the sidelines and boom, Buda Baker comes out of nowhere. So as long as you have Kaiser White, you have Buda Baker, you have Jalen Thompson, you have those types of leaders on this defense, they're going to continue to go out there and execute because – uh, you know, I've been on teams that didn't have those types of leaders on the defense, and the defense gets mad at the offense, and then the defense starts to lay down at the end of the game. And there's been no signs of let up by this defense at any game in this season. Sunday's loss dropped the Cardinals to one and eight. So obviously, the question to head coach Jonathan Gannon is, how do you maintain that confidence, especially considering what happened on Sunday in Cleveland? These guys aren't going to waver. We're going to show them the tape and say, hey, this is what we need to improve, and this is what we need to do to give us our give ourselves a better chance to win the game. So we'll put all our effort and focus into Atlanta, good football team coming in here, and uh, playing at home and try to go get a win. It's one thing to hear that from the head coach. Another thing when you hear it from the players. And Jonathan Ledbetter spoke, addressed the media on Monday, and the same question was posed to him. Like, what do you do when your side of the ball is holding up your end of the weight, yet the offense is not doing its job? Here is Cardinals defensive lineman Jonathan Ledbetter. On defense, you know, I love going on the field. I don't care. If defense needs to be out there, we'll go out there, you know. And I know all the guys on defense, you know, we took it as a challenge. And, um, you know, I, I literally said, you know, are we hanging or are we banging? You know, are we hanging out or are we going out here to bang? And um, everybody bought into that, and we went out there and, and we banged, you know. And, and everything's not perfect, you know. But we do motor 
and violence very well. Kyle, you brought that up earlier as far as it's not easy, and maybe you have a handful of players, but you need all 11. In fact, you need the entire roster to have that same mindset that Ledbetter just talked about because you have 11 guys on the field on defense, and if one or two, maybe just one, just feels like, you know what, it's done, I'm tapping it out yet they're on the football field, then it doesn't matter what your other 10 guys are doing. And now all of a sudden there goes another chunk play, another score, and that lopsided, that score goes even worse than 27 nothing. It's a sign of the, the culture's working, right? This coaching staff has emphasized the culture in this locker room and the fact that it hasn't happened, or maybe it has happened. You know, there's been some mysterious things with, with guys who are dependent on one week and then aren't a part of the game plan the next week. Um, you know, you can look at reps and make assumptions um, on Sundays, but, um, you know, lack of effort will not be tolerated by, you know, not only this coaching staff, but when it comes from, again, the leaders of the defense, when they're holding players and in, in each other accountable, that's what you're looking for. And, you know, it, it doesn't always show wins and losses, but it does show a strong culture. And the fact that, you know, it, they're doesn't seem to be dissension in the locker room, that this defense continues to go out there and fight. Look, it's not perfect football. Like Jonathan Ledbetter said, we're not playing perfect football. We're making plenty of mistakes. But on defense, you can make up for that with effort and attitude, and that's what we're seeing on Sundays. Think of how many times previous to Jonathan Gannon, we would ask the question after the game, Coach, what did you think of the effort, the intensity, the urgency? Think of road losses at Detroit where they showed up DOA. Think of home losses to P.J. Walker in Carolina, where they had zero energy from the get-go, and then it didn't get much better over the course of the game. That has not been an issue with Jonathan Gannon and this staff and this roster. And to Kyle's point, I think it's zero tolerance. The guys realize that's the third rail. If I get out there and the whole Jonathan Lenbetter, are we hanging or banging? You hang in your head, you're out of the game. And I think they've already subtracted players from the roster who they identified as guys who may not be willing to give their all all the time and so I think that's been the one constant and that's allowed the Cardinals to be competitive in most of the games and Ledbetter even mentioned that everything is an evaluation everything is on tape and how you perform now says more to the Cardinals to the other 31 teams than how you played earlier in the season what kind of a player are you how what kind of a player do you want to be in the NFL more from the Cardinals defensive lineman on that mindset we're not gonna waver you know I don't really care what people say you know about us about this team honestly you know I'm gonna be who I am I'm gonna show up and do what I need to do and um, I'm proud of this team because it's full of guys who will do that JG picked the people on this team and you know we're here for a reason and nobody's wavering and to Paul's point if you do waver then you might not find yourself on this team and it has opened up the door for players to come in and take advantage of the opportunity Dante Stills as we talked about in fact Paul he's your guest Thursday on the Big Red Rage live from Trophy and Chandler someone who is really taking advantage of his opportunities as a sixth round draft pick and in the egregious omission earlier of not naming Leckie Fotu who had a heck of a game I'd say his best game of the year and he's our Angry Bird award winner this week so how I left him out of the equation that was just a uh, criminal ME by yours truly highlighting the defensive line not only with the angry bird award but again Dante Stills live Thursday big red rage from Trophy and Chandler Queen Creek Road between Price and Dobson the show kicks off at 6 p.m. speaking of kickoff Sunday 205 Cardinals and the Atlanta Falcons 
What are the Cardinals in for in Week 10? That's ahead here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. pocket again steps up Calais Campbell that is sack 100 how about that a little dirty bird on it by Calais for 100 and everybody on that defense knows how big that was right there sack 100 in the 16-year career of Calais Campbell needs to be mentioned that 56 and a half of those sacks happened with Calais Campbell wearing an Arizona Cardinals uniform as we get to see Calais come back, his second return to the desert when the Atlanta Falcons come to town on Sunday, 2.05 is the kickoff. 9.30 a.m. pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network as we say welcome back. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Calais Campbell, an offseason addition, one of many, Kyle, by this Atlanta Falcons defense that was basically overhauled in the offseason. Dean Pease retired. Ryan Nielsen gets the gig. And yeah, the Falcons are 4-5, and five, but they are playing better football defensively than they did at any point last season. Yeah, and look, 100 sacks, it's pretty impressive. Had I played 24 years, <laughs> I, I, w- I would have also cracked uh, 100 sacks. So, um, yeah, I mean... They're a good defense. Look, they're 18th in points, 6th in yards, 4th in um, yards per carry for against the run game. So, um, you know, we can't sleep on this defense where, you know, in the past the past few years, the Atlanta defense has really been, um, you know, subpar. Um, you know, they're, they're a good defense, and um, the strength of their team is up front. They can get after the quarterback. Um, and so, you know, I, to me, again – the biggest change, look, you know, Kyler Murray, that's a huge change. James Conner, hopefully. But the offensive line needs to play better. And against a stout front, against some good D tackles and some good edge players. So, um, you know, that will be our challenge this week is to uh, put that game from last Sunday behind us and play like this offensive line played uh, through the first part of the season, which, you know, they went up against a gauntlet of really good pass rushing teams and held their own. Two words, max protect. If you need to, go with it. You saw it at the end of the Browns game. They went Max Protect had the 11-yard completion to Hollywood Brown. And you couldn't help but wonder, wow, maybe they should have gone to that earlier in the game, especially with Kyler Murray, his accuracy, his chemistry with Hollywood Brown. you got an Atlanta defense that has allowed one touchdown run over the past six games. You know who scored it? Josh Dobbs from 18 yards out in this last game. Such a demoralizing loss by the Atlanta Falcons to Josh Dobbs and the Vikings that Arthur Smith two nights ago shaved his mustache. I did see that. Couldn't sleep, woke up at 3.45 in the morning, said, we need to change, I need to change, shaved his mustache. So, uh, you know what, all the best on that, Coach Smith. And staying with his quarterback, Taylor Heineke, Desmond Ritter benched. Heineke going to get his second straight starts after stops with the Panthers, Washington, and now with the Atlanta Falcons. And it is an offense that ranks 11th in the league, number nine in rushing, number 17 in passing. And Heineke's only played six quarters with the Falcons. Two touchdowns, one interception. So, yeah, a little bit of an unknown on the Falcons' side of things at QB. Here's the thing, though. Taylor Heineke himself is not unknown to Jonathan no. Gannon and Nick Rollis because they game plan against him twice a year in the division. So that's an intriguing side story to this whole matchup. JG against Taylor Heineke, and they're very familiar with what he does, and he does have the ability to extend plays in a very unique way is the way the Falcons describe it. When you think quarterbacks, though, with the Atlanta Falcons, typically it's Matt Ryan. Well, he's now on the TV side of things in the broadcast booth, but the Cardinals once upon a time did face Matt Ryan. In fact, faced him a lot 
How about we flash back? Dave Pash, Ron Wolfley against the Atlanta Falcons all the way back a decade ago in 2013. A black cat just ran across the field over to the Falcons bench. Matt Ryan had no idea what to do. He looked at the cat as if to say, is this real? <laughs> it's Halloween week. Somebody obviously brought a black cat into the stadium and just let it loose. I believe that's called a bad omen. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. Did you see Matt Ryan? He stopped. He was warming up, and he saw the black cat. He stopped. Just the fact that it's Halloween week, and then there's a black cat running around the University of Phoenix Stadium. Wow. And it was a bad omen, Paul. Matt Ryan, four interceptions, yep. four sacks as the Cardinals won 27-13. Yep. to 13. This, this iteration is all about running the football. Uh, you realize that since the beginning of last season that the Falcons are second only to Baltimore in the number of 100-yard rushing games. So they run the ball first, second, and third, especially Drake London missed last week with the groin injury. Mac Hollins, their second-best receiver, really injured his ankle. He's somewhat uh, doubtful, at least at this point, for this game this week. So they're going to come in, I guess, and they're going to feature Tyler Algier and B. John Robinson, and here comes the run. And B. John Robinson has become full circle here on Cardinals Red Sea Report. South Point High School down in Tucson, and that is – Someone that you're familiar with yeah, on the outside thing. That's right. <laughs> just played him. Yeah, I mean, between those two running backs, you get in the run game and passing game, they got 258 touches. So they're going to feature those two running backs. The good thing is our defense has been playing the run really well. Lastly, I want to say the only mustache worse than Arthur Smith was Paul Calvisi. <laughs> oh, no. Every year when he tries to grow a mustache, oh, no. it is terrible. Mm. At least Arthur Smith lasts longer than Paul's does, although it comes up yearly, though. Uh, Aiden O'Connell. The uh, rookie quarterback for the Raiders has a glorious mustache. He's moving up the power pole right now. Just a shout-out. We'll see what happens on Sunday. No mustache for either Paul Calvisi or Falcons head coach Arthur Smith. The game on Sunday, 2.05, right here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.